trying to find a good silent area for my hookahs so you don't hear. I think the uh, the solution to that is just crack rocks or something like you know maybe meth. Oh, yeah. Something you can light that's a little less loud. <laughs> Whatever's convenient. Uh, I'm so happy we're done with this fucking house of boners. No joke. I didn't write anything down for this one. No notes. No nothing. I just, I just kind of, th- I literally groaned and then threw the book into the corner and didn't think of it until this episode. <laughs> right on. Get my webcam to work. Stupid. Your webcam. Ooh, baby. Yeah, I can't get it up. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem. Yeah. They make sorry. medicines for that. <laughs> And the first shot I was going to have was going to just be my crotch right there. It's just, ah. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, can you see me? If I can get the laptop lowered, that would definitely be the only shot you got of me, but I have to keep it far away. <laughs> For spacious reasons, and uh, also I'm a thousand degrees with it. I think, I don't think you can see the equipment. It's just out of frame, I believe. But yeah, this mixer and everything just boils me while we record. Well, that's Stooge Spencer. He gets to sit on the other side next to the window where it's nice and cool and breezy. Dog can't get over there. Can't lick him. And then you have uh, a lot to explain to your to your lady if she saw you webcamming your crotch. Yeah, she probably wouldn't like that too much. But at this <laughs> point, I don't think she would be surprised. <laughs> Disappointed, yes. Yeah. Surprised, no. <laughs> Who are you showing that to? Ashley. Oh, that bitch. <laughs> that hoe bag. What's well, a dude? So yeah, I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> He's uh, such a salute. Salute. Hey there, party people. This is the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me, suffering through the labyrinth that has been House of Boners, I mean House of Leaves, is Mr. Ashley Hatter. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, man? I know you're excited to talk about this because this is your all-time favorite book, number one on your bibliography to read list. Oh, man. I crap shorted out. That's that's not good. There we go. Well, you turned into a robot. There we go. I did. Yeah, you did something. Anyway, so this is your favorite book of all time, right? Oh man, undoubtedly. I mean, you were uh, thinking about copying it word for word just to say you also wrote House of Leaves. I was. I was just gonna change it to the Davidson Project instead. <laughs> the Davidson Project. Oh god, that sounds like a winner. <laughs> Yeah, so we both suffered through this book, and it was, um, I don't know how long this episode's gonna be, because I don't, uh, like, after having three episodes already talking about this, I just feel worn out. I feel abused. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, was, uh, um, it was stupid. It was stupid, and it was dumb. Like, the the bad far out shadows are good. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that. I don't know where we even left off. I didn't re-listen to the last episode. Like I said, I I think I I don't remember if I told you this off-air or pre-recording, but I read the book when I finally finished it. I threw it in the corner. I cried a little, not because of, like, I was happy that I finished it or because it was so moving. I just cried because I was like, oh, thank God this is done. It was just tears of joy. Like, I I don't have to suffer through this anymore. 
<laughs> it's like that scene in Gladiator when he's finally free and it's, it's just the end and you're like, oh, he gets to go see his family and you made it through this hell, Caleb. Congratulations. Yes. See, I read most of this book in my bed, so it was a literal weight lifted off my chest when I finished it. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> also, I was very unsatisfied. There were a couple good parts at the end of this, and then mm -hmm. Daniel Lusky was just like, how can I really just shit on the reader, though? Like, How can I make them have a more terrible experience? First thing he did, he explains Will Navison's what you thought he was going to die or whatever, but then he doesn't die. He's all fucked up. But the most groan-inducing scene for the in the book for me was when Karen decides to be heroic and go completely against yeah. her whole character up to this point and just walks into the place she fears most, you know, the dark, claustrophobic, whatever, and she magically saves him somehow. That was really stupid. Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I don't know your opinions on the... Uh, what was that? The, the Force Awakens Star Wars thing. Like, I hated it. I actually fell asleep in the theaters because the, the main... I don't even know her name. What's the main Jedi girl? Uh... uh Daisy, or is that a real name? Ray. I think her name on the thing's Ray, right? Something like that. But I saw that movie stuck. once, and I didn't watch any of the other ones. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was in the like Dolby surround sound theater, and everything's shaking, and I was just like, well, I'm going to take a nap real quick. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was totally uninterested in the movie because she was such a Mary Sue, and all of a sudden she can like speak droid and fly the Millennium Falcon without. I was like, what? You've lived in the desert all your life. You should be neurotic, not hyper-skilled. Yeah, like use Luke Skywalker a was a whiny little bitch for the whole, <laughs> I think, the whole run of Star Wars. So she And he was a desert dweller, so I think she should have been kind of a whiny little bitch. Or maybe had some yeah. kind of character arc, not just, I'm a badass now, and then that's just how it goes. Yeah, and I got the feeling with Karen Green on this. It's like she's a whiny bitch the entire time and just saluting it up. And then she saves everything. I was like, really? She really? was by far the worst character in fiction that I've read in a long time. Because usually if it's a bad character, they are, you understand they're supposed to be bad. So, you, you know, you dislike them, but it's for a reason. This character just sucked. Yeah. She was just, I, there was nothing redeeming about her. So to throw that, you know. Christ-like, well, Mother Mary-like scene in there where she just goes in and cradles him in her arms and saves him. Like, no, fuck you, lady. This That's not how this goes. And then they, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what, afterwards, it was, uh, he's all messed up, missing like a leg or eyeball or like a bunch of random body parts all fucked up from frostbite. But he just kind of goes about his day for till whenever he dies, I don't know. And then she like gets cancer and dies or something. It's like, well, that was really awful <laughs> thanks yeah he essentially sets himself up to become like the million dollar man and because he's like missing all these parts of his body i was like oh you could replace that with like a laser eye and a bionic leg you could jump really far yeah, and but... your wife died of cancer which is like karma yeah that, that felt kind of just actually and then <laughs> then after that awfulness you're like okay good the book is over but there's still like 180 pages left so what is this shit and I go into it, I don't even remember the order of this, because I end up skipping a lot of it, but you had just his poetry, which was, yeah. I just, I did not like, I didn't even read most of it, I just skipped through it, because it didn't have anything to do with the story, I don't believe. Sorry, I was got, taking a drag. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> you were doing well with the drag queen? Is that what you said? Whoa. Yeah. Are you allowed to use that term anymore? Um, you no, are I, if you are a drag queen or if you support drag queens. I don't know. There's a show called RuPaul's Drag Queen, isn't it? Or is it Drag Race? Is there a difference? They're not racing cars. I know that. Yeah. It's like they're the slowest moving people on the planet. It's like you can't run in stiletto heels. <laughs> and if you can, they're that's badass. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then there was so there was all the lame poetry. And then there was a whole section. I don't even know how long that went because I didn't read any of them. Was just random. Well, I read the first page, and then I was like, okay, that's enough. It was just quotes by famous people. Yep. I don't know what that the point of that was. There was some other nonsense, I think. And then you got to the only part that I liked on the second half of the book, I think, was the uh, Johnny Truant's the letters from his mom to him. And at first I was like, okay, this is already way too much. I don't give a shit. But he wrote the letters in a way where it showed her descending into madness because she was in the loony mm -hmm. bin. I did like yep. that part. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that, that was like if that had been – in the actual book itself and meld it in there somehow and take out an equivalent amount, if not more of the shitty parts, especially the Karen parts. Uh, I think it, it could have been a much better book. I was reading um, up on uh, House of Leaves and I guess those letters were a separate, almost like novella esque sort of thing. They weren't originally attached and yeah. when this one came out, he just started adding a bunch of shit. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, at least you got one interesting thing in there. Yeah. I think what he should have done, and this is just coming from my non-famous writer opinion, I would have liked if instead of all the science shit and all the random list of nonsense and the way too many footnotes, I would have preferred if he would have just... um had like sporad like you kind of were saying those letters melded in there somehow like maybe after every johnny truant part there was a letter and then you could show his mother going into madness coinciding with what was happening in johnny truant's life that might actually made a cool narrative yeah i think that would have given um a uh almost like an anchor to the unreliable narrator that johnny truant was because you would have this effect of yeah he's he's reading all this Navidson files bullcrap and he's going crazy. Okay, we get that. He does. He's done a lot of drugs and drinks a lot and sleeps around and he's got a fucked up tooth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which I don't understand but, how he gets the hot chicks with the fucked yeah, up tooth. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, you need to chip your tooth now. That's, mm -hmm. that, that's the key. That's the key right there. Um, <laughs> if that had been almost contrasted against or compared to uh, the letters as they went through the, the narrative, it, it would have been really cool to be like, well, you know, maybe this is maybe mental conditions, mental instability is a genetic trait or is it the actual thing? So it would have been like a double dose of doubt with that. So you're like, oh, I don't I don't know exactly which to trust. And this that, that could have been really interesting. Yeah, I think I would have liked that a lot more. Also, another thing that bothered me about Johnny Truant. There was a scene near the end, I want to say it was the stripper Thumper, or it might have been, there, there were so many girls, I just lost track, but he, it was after he was all gangly, non-bathed, brown teeth, just disgusting, no chick would want him by this point, and then there was like, he turned down one of the ladies, I think it might have been Thumper actually, but she wanted to have sex with him, and he turned her down, I was like, how, why, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't get that. Unless you have like some skeletal necrophilia sort of thing going on. But I was like, I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't know any strippers, but yeah. you know, if I did, I wouldn't assume that any of them would want to bang a skeleton. Maybe he just had like a Magnum Dawn or something. <laughs> then surprisingly, Daniel Lewski did not go into the dongs. He just stayed around the puffy areolas and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, the <clears throat> nipples like saints. Nipples like saints, man. They're holy. Oh, I mm. just, I wish I would have wrote down more lines like that, but I just, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to reread anything. And this is a book that I don't even know if I want to put on my bookshelf. It feels like a shameful thing. Like I just was looking through the Kama Sutra and decided to put on my bookshelf the display. I don't I don't know if I want people looking at this. Yeah. <laughs> people come over, oh, you read that. And then you have to, and, and you know, with your luck or my luck, if anyone comes over and they see it, oh man, I love that book. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, now we can't be friends. You got to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to leave my house. It's like when you like you're friends with somebody for like not super close friends, but you know them pretty well. Maybe a work acquaintance or something. Then one day you're hang- actually hanging out with them, and then all of a sudden they just go on a racist tirade. You're like, oh fuck! <laughs> I can't be friends with this guy anymore. Like, what the hell happened? Damn it! There went the boating trip. Oh man, you really like Johnny Truant? That oh come on. I just thought it was really cool, man. The way he just to come to his de- remember that scene where the, the the skanky prostitute porn star threw the dog in the road yeah i unfortunately remember that scene it wasn't that Shit. great no it wasn't it was awful no. i hated it that was pointless it, there was no point and it didn't again if he had scenes like that in the book but they led to something like they had some kind of overall meaning like that one was very shallow it was something about you know, Johnny Truant was the stray dog that was abandoned like that or something yeah. and just thrown to the side. That was very ham-fisted and unnecessary. You didn't have to kill the little dog. It's like he tried to get into the Russian literature. Yeah. Of, uh, like the, the American equivalent. I'm like, yeah, you kind of failed at that. But he tried again and again. And over and over and over and again. again. Also, that scene was really stupid because they tried to do some kind of foreboding where Johnny Truant was very nervous about this lady taking the dog, and you could, like, immediately, you're like, oh, she's going to obviously kill this dog. And I guessed exactly how she was going to kill the dog, and I was like, well, that was not a surprise, but it was very stupid, and I feel like a worse person for reading this. So, like, thanks a lot, <laughs> Daniel Lewski. <laughs> you dick. It's like when you read a book, and uh, kind of, like, just out of nowhere, some like the author throws in a character that just throws in a bunch of N words. You're like, oh, now you're making me read this fuck. So now I'm thinking the word. Like, thanks. God damn it, son of a no, bitch. No, honestly, when I when I read the uh, the dog killing scene, I was like, oh my god, John Wick would like totally go crazy on everyone in this. It's like Keanu Reeves. You need to get in this book and just obliterate everyone. There would be no House of Lees. It would just be a house of death. <laughs> he like he actually figures out how to kill the house and you're like oh shit <laughs> just to get completely sidetracked because i'm not overly interested in talking about this book too much anyway anymore um <laughs> i was always a big fan of keanu reeves just because you know he's a just comes off as like a good guy he always uh does cool stuff but i read an article last year where he is a very voracious reader he he could recite things like Proust and stuff like that to you. It's like, wow, that, that just makes me like you more. I don't know why. Then the John Wick movies came out, and he's just shooting everybody. I'm like, 
this is this is the kind of movie I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a pretty cool guy. I, I don't I don't know. I, I saw a picture of him to where he's like he's super mellow is what it seems like, and he stole a camera from the paparazzi and some other paparazzi was taking pictures of him and he's like smiling, running away with the camera, like dangling in front of the, the, the paparazzi. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> like, uh, dude, you can't be mad if Keanu steals your camera. You gotta be, oh, yeah. there was a, a video going around of Keanu Reeves on a subway in New York and he gives up his seat to a pregnant woman and, uh, everybody's like, oh, that's so nice of him. And I'm just thinking, Fuck just being nice. Like, why is Keanu Reeves just riding a subway? Like, and nobody was bothering him. That was the weird thing. It's like, he just got, like, <laughs> ultimate A-list celebrity just on the public subway. It was like, that's what the kind of guy he is. And then nobody bothers him, which is cool. And when they do, he's actually nice to him. So, yeah. needless to say, I'm going to try to get him on the podcast soon. See how that goes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a, uh, saw a picture of Daniel Day-Lewis on a subway, and he was using a razor. I like a razor phone. The flip phone. See, there's. Like, oh, I thought you just meant like a. <laughs> there will be blood razors. Like, oh, yeah, gangs of New York razor. Your but, milkshake. <laughs> like, no, the people leave Daniel Day Lewis alone for other reasons. Completely off his chain. Yes, and I love it. <sighs> he makes <laughs> good movies too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, what's your takeaway from this fucking book? Is there? Let's try to be. Let's try to. Be a little optimistic here. What right, positives right. did you take away from this book? Positives. Uh, I'm just going to have to go back on things we touched on before. Uh, his his use of atmosphere when he actually applies it is superb. Um, I can I could actually get behind some of his almost stream of consciousness three page long run on sentences like I. I've uh, I've read enough Virginia Woolf and stuff like that 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 sort of stuff doesn't bother me as much as it might other people and it was it was kind of interesting to read I think he overdid it a, a lot but you know <laughs> it was still really cool and the uh, just the the entire uh, voyage into the staircase or down the staircase and in the house was was really I felt like that was the story that was the book you could have literally cut out all the Johnny Truant parts. And just had the Navidson project by itself, and it still would have been probably even more thought provoking than adding in the Johnny Truman parts. I felt like if if this were separated into three different books, to where you had the Navidson project, then you had Johnny Truant, and then you had like the letters of Johnny Truant's mom, or even just two books where the letters are mixed into Johnny Truant as he's investigating it, that that would have made more sense and probably been a lot more readable. But what he did, he, what he did right was really well done. He just unfortunately hit a lot of foul balls. Yeah. I think <laughs> if he did a uh, Johnny Truant book with the letters from his mother and stuff and maybe focus on that relationship as, uh, you know, Johnny Truant's life spirals out of control, no House of Leaves even necessary and no Navison project, none of that, just Johnny Truant's life story and, you know, with the drug abuse and stuff, I think that could be actually a very touching read. And then, obviously, yeah. the Navison Project would have been amazing if that was just a story on its own. Focused on the house, you can still do the narration as in people telling it, kind of. It's just uh, almost like Carrie, like Stephen King, where you had the parts about the telekinesis and newspapers and stuff. Yeah. You can do that, obviously. It could be done very well. 
it's just uh again there's too much there was the footnotes there was uh johnny truant the old man story there was too much in there wasn't necessary if he just stuck to one or two themes i think it could actually been really good either way he went yeah i think um yeah you're totally right with that i think uh he was probably a little too ambitious with this yeah i heard he kind of gave publishers and editors uh, help over touching his manuscript. He wanted to be the only one to do it. So I think probably pride was involved in that. that ego. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell if this guy has a really big ego or not, but uh, you know, it's, uh, if, if he got that under control, I'm, I'm pretty sure he could churn out some, some pretty decent books. I think that you also have to be in a particular mindset, as we touched on in the past, to really appreciate this book for what it is. Like, a good way I think I can explain it is I tried to watch, it was a couple weeks ago, uh, I think it was Eraserhead by David Lynch. It might have mm-hmm. been his first really weird movie. And I uh, <laughs> think that, well, I mean, all his movies are weird, but I think that was like his first one that made him famous, at least. I uh, yeah. I never saw it up to this point. I, I like David Lynch to a degree, but... I tried watching it and I just was, I was kind of tired. You know, I might've been drinking a little or something. I clearly wasn't in the mind state to enjoy that movie. So I only made it like 20 minutes in. I just had to turn it off. That's how I kind of feel about this book. If you're not geared to read the weirdness and all the other shit, I don't think you would enjoy it. Like no matter how you went into it as long or, uh, you just, I just don't think you would enjoy it very much. But if you went into it, uh, like you said, maybe when you were in high school or something, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of life experience. You don't realize how ridiculous the events like a Johnny Truant's life are for any young man to live through. <laughs> like how in implausible every like a night at the bar where some weird shit happens. Okay, if you're a regular at a bar all the time, you're young, you do drugs and stuff. Yeah, you're gonna have some weird stories, but you're not gonna have this guy's stories. Like that, that just is not gonna happen. Nobody lives unless you're like Hunter S. Thompson. You're not going through that yeah. kind of life. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like he read Hunter S. Thompson's biography or autobiography or whatever and just was like, you know what? I need to step this up. If Hunter S. Thompson was in my book, he'd do even crazier shit. <laughs> and he'd have like, brown teeth. Uh, I was like, I, I don't think you you can't really out crazy Hunter S. Thompson. That's, that's, well, the main thing here is Hunter S. Thompson didn't brag about the stuff he did. It wasn't that was just how he lived. Yeah. So he's shooting guns at neighbors and doing every kind of drug <laughs> drug in the book. He's just like when he was like fear and loathing. That's just him telling the story in an entertaining way. Like the Johnny Truant thing almost feels like, oh yeah, banged another hot chick. Like nobody likes that guy that does that. The fucking high school or college douchebag that always tells you about every chick he's ever been with and every chick's a ten, and even though they're probably you know solid twos, and there's only one of them because and it's also his right hand, but still. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody likes Rosie that guy yeah yeah it's it it came across really bad and it was, it was the annoying douchebag in the locker room or wherever you're like yeah no no that didn't really happen you can shut up now Ooh, there was one part of the letters that really pissed me off it was the part where because she was going crazy i'm assuming she was schizophrenic too or something because she thought uh, everybody was reading the letters so she wrote a whole other letter in code where you had to read the first letter of each word and then that would make up and like I got partially through it and it was just too much. Yeah. It, it's it's like the rest of House of Leaves started bleeding into that. Mhm. I was like, uh I mean you you can affect 
effectively create the sense of paranoia and like you feel like you're being watched without having to go to such dramatic degrees. Yeah, you did that. And then like with the formatting stuff, it worked when. Hey, what are you doing? Bye. Puppy dog. Smacking my <laughs> mic. Move your tail, buddy. No, don't touch all the electronics. Bite it. Bite it. <laughs> um, anyway, the uh, the formatting I felt did work. Like when um, Will Navison he get finally gets to the point where he's just falling endlessly, and then the pages are turning and flipping and doing all this stuff. I felt the formatting worked there, but at the yeah. same time, there was a lot of parts where it just wasn't necessary. Yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know if I actually verbalized it. Uh, like with the the when their their original foray into the uh, into the hallways and they all get separated and the doors are shutting through the corridor. I, I felt like the formatting really added something to that. Um, if I start swearing my words, I'm sorry. I'm on like my fourth glass of bourbon. That's fine. That's uh, how half these podcasts turn out anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I felt when he, when he did do the formatting correctly, it really added something. But there were too many times when he's he's messing with it it just seems like he's experimenting and he's like oh well you know that's kind of cool people should get that it's like well maybe you have too much trust in your readers or your head's too far up your ass i'll, I'll assume you trust that readers are more intelligent than they are well we'll go with the positive on this one but especially seeing as how as far as i know no popular book has been formatted in such a way before this so readers going into it never having seen anything like this, it, they, how are the, you expect them to put two and two together necessarily? Yeah. And I'm, the only thing I can think that would come even close would be uh, E.E. coming to poetry, but that's not even – I mean, he messed with kind of staggered lines and lack of punctuation, but I'm like, eh, he didn't write backwards and upside down and one <laughs> no. <laughs> didn't throw in random Italian, Spanish, or French. Yeah. Or Latin. Like, oh, thank God I took Latin, you know, never, so I can read all of this and appreciate it. Ooh, there is one thing about uh, those letters that did kind of bother me. Hmm. Johnny Truant's mother came off as a fucking genius the way she was writing. She didn't just seem like, a you know, just a normal mother. And I don't remember if it went into any of her backstory, but she was... Uh, you know, she was throwing in a lot of, like, Nordic words, I think, and Greek and Spanish and just all kinds of things. Like, how does this lady know all this stuff? I, to me, when I read those, um, that's what kind of reinforced the paranoia to me. Because uh, at least in some of the books that I've read, uh, a few Kafka stories and stuff like that, like at the Penal Colony, uh, one of his stories, um, the paranoid people become really obsessive about things. And so it kind of made sense to me that if she's becoming more paranoid and she's lapsing into, uh, you know, kind of falling into madness, um, that she would obsess maybe over languages, over codes, over all of these things. And so that that kind of I was like, oh, that's that's a that's a nifty little tidbit right there. That that's something I, at least I appreciated. Well, I definitely got that when it was clear she was going mad. It was more just at the beginning, too, before she was really doting on him so much or even depending on his letters. She was, you know, throwing in random, like when he was a little boy, she was throwing in random, uh, like Nordic or Greek or Finnish or whatever she was doing. And then she was like, oh, you'll have to look that one up. And I was like, again, 
if she's in the nut house though is she is this kind of information available to her because i don't know this is a pre-internet you know popularity yeah. so i'm thinking you know me who actually likes to read on lang- about languages and stuff i couldn't just start doing that off the top of my head so there was definitely Man. some kind of uh studying up on her part there would have to be but then again maybe she did have a library in the nut house or something i don't know i mean that would make sense yeah what did what did just shit all over my theory i, I was feeling pretty good about that and then you just come along and you're like no, no Ashley. <laughs> hey maybe she was like a polygot or something i don't know don't know anything you about say, this lady you say polygon polygot isn't that uh people that speak multiple languages oh yeah the pl- pol- pol- bleh, polyglot yeah. polyglot you speak like I watched a video the other day. It was two guys, and they were uh, talking to each other. And he's like, "Hey, do you know this language?" And they would just like just immediately go into another languages. And between both of them, they both knew at least twenty one languages fluently. And I was like, "How?" I struggle with Spanish and Japanese, and they're doing you know every. They weren't just doing every language. They were also doing different accents for each language. I was like, "Come on!" Uh, now you're just showing off. I struggle with English, so. I'm like- <laughs> I speak the English real good. Oh, so good. <laughs> Just a brief segue here. That uh, Japanese novel I told you I was thinking about doing for this, we're not going to do that because <laughs> I'm about 80 pages or so into it, and I am absolutely hating it. I am so disappointed. Yeah. What? That was uh, Grotesque? Grotesque by... Uh, Narino Cariono or something. I forget her name. But um, apparently she's an award-winning author and is one of the few whose work has actually been nominated for English awards, too. Like, awards in America. So, uh, that was a good sign. But I can tell the translation was so botched in this. Because it's supposed to be kind of like a crime noir. but, Mm -hmm. But it's not supposed to really read like one, I guess. It's supposed to be more literary. Which got me really excited because I was like that's right up my alley, but the, the you could tell that whoever translated was throwing way too many English like slang words and stuff into this so far, and the like the main the narrator is extremely unlikable. I just wanted to stab her through the book, and uh, so far there's nothing good about it. And I almost want to bail. I'm gonna I'm at least get to the halfway point, but I'm like, why am I even reading this? Yeah. When, when was it uh, when was it nominated for all these awards? Um I don't know if this one was nominated for awards. I'm just saying her other work was. But uh oh, okay. I think this was a I want to say published in 2000 or something. Yeah, she's supposed to be a very great Japanese author and I'm trying to broaden broaden my horizon because I only read a handful of Japanese authors and I'm like, you know, I want to try some other ones with different styles cuz usually I read kind of the same styles. So I'm like I'm going to you know, more of like a literary style. That's why I went with the noir book. I don't. I never read really too much of noir to begin with, like American noir. So I wanted to get some cool crime fiction. Heck yeah, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. I should have read Dick Tracy. I probably would have enjoyed that more. <laughs> I also got a gigantic Sherlock Holmes collection that I need to get into. But uh, yeah. why not just buy more books? Huh? That's what I need to do. Dude, that's that's a solution for everything. Yes, it is. That and bourbon. Bourbon. I wanted to drink some bourbon tonight, but I went to the gym, and that usually doesn't make me feel too good after. <laughs> makes, makes the muscles kind of sore. That's why I go at uh, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm not that eager to go to the gym, especially when it's like 90 degrees out just morning, noon, and night. <laughs> it's terrible. 
Just walk out and it's 100% humidity. That's what I wanted what? to bring up. What did you think of the uh, the art that they threw in at the end of this? Like the, I thought some of that was kind of cool. Let me look at it again. Because... Page 659 has a cool, uh, it's like a comic book uh, page. I think that's yeah. really cool and actually made me like, hey, this could be a comic and I would read the fuck out of that comic. Those were nifty. I didn't really get like the, the man looking in outward or whatever it's called. It's like on 662. Oh, yeah. It was just like, what is the light? Is that a flare? Is it supposed to be Navis in, in the the darkness, I guess? I don't know. I didn't understand that one either. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Well, it was from exp- Exploration number four. I don't remember which one that was. I, don't, I forget how many they had. Too many. Too many. No, it's. Uh, I, I definitely think um, you're right with the, the comic possibilities because i mean they they have the corridor right there and that's that's pretty that's pretty jive that's that's cool yeah i'm not a huge fan of the art but well yeah it's kind of cartoony but i'm sure this was just a goof (laughs) i do say that this would be terrible for like whoever had to print this the amount of ink that they're gonna have to pay for to do all the black pages like that would suck yeah no joke also what is with the uh the um what is this here the index is this necessary this big ass index like it's a dictionary know. or something i was like why is there an index this isn't a non-fiction p I, the only thing i can think of is that it's oh minotaur is in red in the back yeah that's pretty cool yeah i thought that was cool too but it's like i, I again i think it's just trying to pull us in or his attempt to pull the reader into experiencing what johnny truant was experiencing but like that's that was kind of stupid. I know that there, I didn't look it up because I didn't want to get depressed. Not for me, just <laughs> for other people. But I know there's definitely people out there who've gotten into book groups and it has literally read every single word in this book, read all the index numbers and everything, just because people get obsessive about things and it's very weird. Because I know there's a a couple groups have devoted fifteen to twenty years for to cover James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. And that's oh, uh, a terrible book in my opinion. So I could imagine yeah. this would be uh, something along those lines of people over like analyzing. And then that's why it got its cult status because they make it like it's, you know, something more than it really is. Yeah. I, I mean, I can understand dedicating time to Finnegan's Wake just because of the stylization and the ridiculousness of the language involved like i don't i don't understand anything about it if but, you're a scholar uh, it's very cool if you know it's definitely something to study just the i mean for me it's unreadable just because he combines like english irish slang into the one word and like, nothing makes sense to me in that book I, I read like i don't know a couple chapters i think of it and i just like i can't i can't do this I, I think I read somewhere he was originally going to use different color inks, too. So he was like the pre-Daniel Lewski in that way if he had actually done it. Yeah, but he had a bitch an eye patch. Yeah, I need an eye patch. That would make you, my writing cooler. You, you can have one. There's no nobody stopping you. I, I feel like you need to have an eye, you know, taken out. Otherwise, you're appropriating eye patch culture. Shit, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to do that. That's get you in big trouble. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, putting up a tweet about that, seeing how many people get upset about eye patch appro- appropriation. No, just any kind of appropriation, because for some reason, a whole country that's uh, 
was created by cultural appropriation now shuns it for some reason. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand. Well, at what point do you stop? Is like, does anyone not from an English speaking country have to go back to the language of their ancestors? Like, what, like how far back do you not appropriate? As I, I remember being raised to believe that America was a melting pot, and I was like, well, I guess all the fluids are separating now. That's yeah. not gross. Yeah, that, that was nasty. <laughs> all the fats are going to the top. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. It definitely seems too that. Uh, it's the white folks that get the brunt of the cultural appropriation. And the Asian folks, they get it too for some reason. But I think that's more because they don't um, fight back. They just kind of take it. They don't give a shit. They're kind of focused on, like, you know, working hard and going to school and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why Harvard is made up of, like, 90% Asian people. Yeah, I was like, you know, I was, I was looking at all these things of, you know, oh, inequality and, you know, systemic racism. I was like... You know, if anyone has the odds stacked against them, it's it's the average little Japanese guy that's trying to get into a college here because he's got a score like beyond perfect on the SAT. I'm like, ah, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> At least like the, some of the Ivy League schools. I know Harvard is. I think Yale might be too. They're finally getting sued, and rightfully so, because the like you said, the entrance exams to get into college, whatever test that you have to take, they. Even outright said the Asians, because there's too many of them in the, getting into the schools, they have to score higher than any other race. I'm like, that's so messed up. I actually watched, uh, there was like a 60 Minutes interview or something, or Dateline or something like that with a Indian guy who said he was an African American just so he can get into school because same scores, but if he, you know, because Indians, Asia, he wouldn't have been able to get in. And I was like, that's super racist. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they, they make, they they ignore certain they being the ambiguous they, the powers that be. They. Um, <laughs> yeah, there seems to be a, a general accepted ignorance or shunning of certain actual racist, you know, things going on while other non-racist things going on are, you know, lauded as such. I was like, uh, this this country just seems backwards. If you make everybody racist, then nobody's racist because, or we're all racist. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Sounded better in my head. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get the cultural appropriation thing because some of the coolest stuff were invented, you know, jazz music and I mean, just every, most things that I love have been appropriated from another culture. So I'm like, well, what do I do? I, Cause I don't want to listen to just like Irish music all the time. And that's it. That would suck. <laughs> I tried that once. I tried going 30 days listening to only Irish music and. That's why I lost most of my hearing in my right ear. Uh -huh. I just started stabbing myself with a pencil. Too much uh, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance type of stuff. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, just like, it should be a compliment, if anything. It's like, hey, to the black community, you got some cool stuff. Like, I, I, I like cool stuff. I want to be involved. I don't want to throw stumps or whatever they do in Scotland. Like, I don't, I don't, that's, not that, that's not fun. I want to watch basketball. Like, it's better. Yeah. Wait, well, that doesn't matter. Basketball is invented for by Jewish people, I believe, in Canada. I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. James Caleb. Naismith, you're not the sports guy. You don't play the sports ball. I, I can't sports ball very well, so I don't sports. I could sports ball like a mofo. Oh, man. All those balls in the sports. All of them bouncing and dribbling and <laughs> rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit we're supposed to be talking about house of leaves um house of leaves so house of leaves which i uh i think from now on we will only ever refer to as house of boners 
appropriate, which would have made a more interesting book. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of you know just endless darkness, it's just endless boners hanging off everything. That would have been <laughs> cool. But um, my take, I would give this, which I don't even remember what I reviewed it on Goodreads. I think I gave it a star rating, which is probably a two or a three. And if it was that, it was for the effort, not the story. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd put it at a solid two. Um, if I was feeling sorry for the guy, like he ended up dying the day before I gave the rating, I would probably review it higher. But, um, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would be like, you know, because they just would chuck him in his favorite dumpster and push him down the hill, and that would be the end of him. So that's all right. Yeah. Uh, After they eviscerate him and shred him in the st- small pieces no he probably hasn't in his will that they have to like mix him with like pulp and make him into a book <laughs> like, <laughs> like one of those guys oh my god <sighs> do like the hunter s thompson thing johnny depp shoot me out of a cannon see at least that's cool <laughs> and it wasn't a body it was just the urn full of ashes so yeah i would bad. rather have my body just shot through the air the circus style that would be cooler <laughs> Just, just like put my body in a trebuchet and just launch it. <laughs> just ragdoll me through the air and just land in a random tree, break every bone, head falls off. Like, that'd be awesome. At least that'd be cool to see. That'd be sweet. <laughs> just make sure I'm dead first. <laughs> so now that this book is behind us, what book should we read for a future uh, inebriated reading challenge? Oh man! Oh, I, I like know. the experimental idea of us reading kind of weirder books, but I want them to be a book that doesn't suck so bad. So maybe yeah. a little more vetting on our parts. I was really excited for this book. That's what disappoints me. I'm thinking. I don't know. Have you read any uh, Thomas Pynchon, like Gravity's Rainbow, or anything? I have not. I've thought about it. Um, I just never got down that far into my rabbit hole of weird reads yet. Yeah. I have I, a list somewhere. You you always have a list. Always have a list upon a list upon a list. And they read in every language upside down, sideways, and some of them are actually 3D. <laughs> Shut up, Danny Whiskey. Thank God 3D printers weren't a thing when he made this book. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. He, I'm surprised he didn't make like- this a pop-up book. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be sweet. I'd actually enjoy it probably even more if there were pop-up sections instead of his stupid formatting. Uh, yes, you are correct. Hold on. You know what? Let me bring up a list here. Of, uh, I'll just look up weirdest novel. I did, there's one on DPW I did a long time ago, just like a small list of. And Finnegan's Wake was one of them, so. But I, di- I didn't feel like trying to go through that again. Uh, here we go. We have Gatsby by Ernest Vincent Wright. I believe that book was terrible from what I've heard. 50,000 word novel that doesn't use the letter E. Yes, that's right. Doesn't use the letter E. I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> Alphabetical Africa by Walter Abish. First, I've heard mixed things about that. Yeah, the first chapter only uses words that begin with the letter A. Can you guess where this is going? Chapter 2 contains A and B words. Oh, good night. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um... The Voynich Manuscript, which is just made up gibberish. That's not a real thing. That would be so cool if it was, but I I feel like that's just a really high-end uh, hoax like that was done, perpetrated by some medieval guy a long time ago. <laughs> hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at my own list. All right. Let's see. Against Nature by Joris Carl Heisman. Heisman, a man entrusts his tortoise shell with jewel encrust his tortoise shell with jewels, causing the poor tortoise to die. 
And that's the closest to a plot summary you give. Okay, that's a no. That's depressing. Dancing Lessons for the Advanced in Age by Bohumilio Harabo. I can't even <laughs> say that guy's name. What was that? Bohumilio Harabo. I feel like you have to say that in a weird H R A B A L. Why would you pronounce that? Uh, Mark. <laughs> um, an old man wanders up to some sunbathing women, as you do, and just starts yammering on about his life and his adventures as a shoemaker and his romantic concepts. What are you crinkling? Oh, that that is pretty crinkly. It's so crinkly. So much crinkle. What did you do to it? Almonds. Why do you have to crinkle the almonds? Are you rubbing them? She's milking the almonds. She needs her almond milk. They have tiny udders. Um Holy God, that's loud. Right? I'm not she well she doesn't she never puts on the headphones, so she never gets to experience how loud everything is in here it's when not that loud. it sounds like a tsunami. Oh my gosh, it is so loud. It's like really loud. One day we're I just wanna like, I need to get Spencer to do a podcast here with like a guest, and I'm not involved, so I could just go in the other room and just play, eh, eh, like just fuck with him. Oh yeah, because he, oh. yeah, he, he never gets the, uh, he never works the computer, so he doesn't get to see how frustrating it is when he, the random noise goes off. Smack my tit, yeah. Oh. You like that? Yeah, those, oh, every that? book on that list was terrible, so I'm, you can go ahead and pick one. Well, you picked this uh, one, though, and I don't know if I trust your picking now. This was totally you. This was not me. You read you this said, before, though, and you yeah, said, yeah, that'd be great. You know what? Just turn it on me. Uh, there's one by William Gaddis called J.R. Um, I guess it's 750-plus pages of pure dialogue with no indication of who is speaking. That sounds awful. It doesn't sound like that would be fun to cover. But but it's experimental. I don't know. Finnegan's Wake, of course. Blah. We could do this. Uh, we could do Faulkner. I was thinking that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's, I've been on the top of my list to read for the last year now. And I keep turning myself off of it because of the stream of consciousness and everything else. I'm just like, I got to be in the right mindset for that. But I'm totally down to do that one. Oh, man. Does that turn you on? It does. Nasty Faulkner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do find when I look at uh, Goodreads and see people that just give pretty much that noise you just made in the form of a review, it makes me kind of want to read the book sometimes. And that's what uh, old Mr. Faulkner gets a lot is the uh, <laughs> uh, let's see what else they got here. Um, no, uh, no, they got Proust. Um, I do want to read uh, Remembrance of Things Past, but it's like, what is that, over a million words or something? Jeez, man. Yeah, well, it's like, I think they broke it down to seven volumes, but I believe Proust was French, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe so. So you're reading a translated version, and I'm pretty sure it's like over a million words or something. And there's lots yeah. of, I think one whole book is just like a dance or something crazy. It's Yeah, it's pretty wild. Also, uh, a book that uh, Keanu Reeves has read. Did you buy everything in crinkly wrapper form? Do you want to taste this? What is it? It's a fucking dip. What? A dip? I'll, yeah, t- I'll taste the dip. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> She's making dip for the 4th of July, I guess. Oh, you're taking it I'll to work? I want to taste this. That sounded really, you know, like... I'm going to taste it. I'll apologize for 
yelling at me for crinkling. I'm sorry that I yelled at you for crinkling during my podcast. Listen to by millions, by the way. <laughs> millions. You don't know. You've never seen the stats. <laughs> we could do... Uh, we... The fans love when I chew into the mic, by the way. Mm, As I'm sure it. Ashley does. <laughs> I love it. We could do uh, William S. Burroughs. We could do like the naked lunch or something like that. We could. Well, let's Kinda see what's on. Uh, let me check my list here. Here's just my two read list. This isn't my crazy list. Mm, that was delicious. Um, I got The Winter of Our Discontent. Uh, one of the few Steinbeck books I have not read. I got Travels with Charlie in Search of America. That's more of a. I put. That's also Steinbeck. I put that on my list because I read. Uh, Dharma Bums by Jack Kerouac, and mm. it was okay, but I heard this is like a better version of that. We can do uh, Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo. Ooh, I just like his name. Trumbo. Yeah, I guess a World War One soldier wakes up in a hospital bed, having lost all his limbs and facial features trapped in what's left of his body, unable to move at first, or at first even communicate or even kill himself. That sounds hella depressing, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say definitely put that on. Here, write down a list of these. Mark that down. That'll be one we might check. Do all the work for you and just write more. Yeah. God. That's why you make the big bucks. Um, <laughs> I need a raise, by the way. I'll, I'll get on that as soon as I give myself one. Um, <laughs> I got Killing Commendatory by Haruki Murakami. Um, that one's too long. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and A Scanner Darkly. Uh, oh, man. I've, I've read both those and I love them. I read those when I was a kid, but I've not read them. I like to revisit uh, work when I'm an adult now because it changes my opinion on things. And those are a few of the books that I have down. Let's see. Man, this... <laughs> there's, uh, there's a book called Hopscotch by Julio uh, Cortazar. That is a really weird book. Yeah. So you know about it? Yeah, I've uh, looked into that one, too. I was like, man, I'd have to buy it on Amazon. There's no way of like, oh, can I get the ebook version? Yeah, that's uh, that'd be like House of Leaves on ebook version. That's not working. Yeah. Ooh, what is the, uh, what is his name? Gabriel Garcia Marquez? Uh, yeah, what is that one book where it goes through like a hundred generations of a family? Uh, that's, um... Oh my gosh, I know this one. I should know it. I don't know why I forgot. That's also been on my list for a while. 100 Years of Solitude. That's it. Um, that's one I definitely want to check because I need, I want to read more uh, Spanish fiction, but I haven't, uh, I got burned. I read, uh, it was uh, actually an Amazon free book and it was, uh, hold on, let me check. I don't even remember her name. I don't feel like looking it up. It was, uh, she's apparently a very celebrated Spanish author. It, it was a fucking terrible book. Um, mm. the, it was just that the, the protagonist was so unlikable. Yeah. I don't get why people do that so often. It's like you can have a reprehensible narrator without having to make them completely unlikable. Exactly. Like, I hate that. It's like I, I don't have to agree with anything that they're doing, but I do want to enjoy reading their perspective. <laughs> yeah, I want to... The, you at least want to be able to relate to him or something, but this one, yeah. I, I had nothing. You know what? I, I think I did a book review a long time on it, a long time ago on it, so let me look that up. This might be a um, Mexican author. I'd have 
have to look into it uh, just based on his name. Uh, Roberto uh, Bellano. He's an Italian, uh, I think. Oh, is he? I believe so. I, I know the, the book takes place in Mexico, uh, 2666. Hmm. I mean, he might it's, not uh, be, but that's that definitely sounds more like an Italian name to me, but he could be Spaniard. Yeah, it's got the tilde above the end, so. Hmm. It's, it's, like, really long. It's got some difficult subject matter, like methodical rapes of hundreds of women and all that. That and knowledge that it's actually based on true events. You're like, oh my god, Ooh, that sounds kind of nightmarish. Yeah. That uh, yeah. awful book I read, by the way, was "Pierced by the Sun" by uh, Laura Esquivel. Mm. Don't read that book. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shit. I, I mean, I, I really do like the. Uh, here's the thing, though. We also got to pick a book that our listeners are going to want to hear us talk about so that's true as much as i want to read faulkner i don't know if that's gonna go over well because like at least house of leaves you know that's kind of the cult following stuff the views for the episodes for it are good so i'm trying to think of a book that would be equivalent i don't want to go like the you know stupid book tubers or i'm gonna read every young adult book and give it a good review and then everybody's gonna like me i don't want to do that shit <laughs> yeah uh, you know what? Uh, How about we end this episode, actually, right. and then uh, we can talk about more off air. Fair enough. Folks who love the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast and have been so enthralled by our talk of House of Boners, I just <laughs> wanted you to know that you don't have to read it because we did for you. It is not that good. Um, if you would like to complain about our review of House of Boner, you can do so uh, by hitting us up at drunkenpenwriting.com. Hit us up on Twitter at DrunkPenWriting, or you can go on Facebook and you can complain all you want in the paragraphs and paragraphs, and I might even eventually read it this year. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you can even maybe go on Goodreads and there might be a shell of a ghost of somebody on there. And then um, <laughs> you can, uh, you can uh, definitely give us all the, the wonderful fan mail, too. We appreciate that as well. You folks have a Wonderful night. See you later.